0: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here, at the Caldwell Banker Group of Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Ouachita Citizen. Jake Martin. Jake Martin, how you doing this morning, buddy? How we doing? Good. Plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. Of course, we want you to join the conversation. If you have a comment or too, we'd love to hear from your hear your voice. But if uh, you're a little shy, like Jake was when he started this show, you can just send us a text at 888-993-7762. It's called the Stuart Shelby text slash hotline. Go to Stuart Shelby dot com for your free quote. Now, after all these months, we can't get Jake to shut up.
2: I'm still shy. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Uh. Should we get right into it, the big showdown, LSU, Louisiana Tech? Let's
1: start with this because we have some uh, loose ends out there and we have some work to do for tomorrow. We certainly need some feedback.
2: Oh, top ten Thursday, yes. So I was, I thought we would do something else, but we're going to leave it open to you. What should
1: Jake's idea was top ten uh, masters or not masters, just golf moments? No, masters moments. Master moments. I. I just don't think it'll generate much buzz. Aaron poo-pooed it, so... like right, we could still put it up. I mean, it could be in contention. How's that?
2: Sure. I mean, right now, we're wide open. So, let us know what you want Top 10 Thursday to be. Uh, send us suggestions at 888-993-7762. Uh, we'll be taking suggestions all morning, and then we'll come up with something by the end of the show.
1: Uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, most hated teams? It's got a negative connotation, I know.
2: Yeah, are, are you just throwing out I'm random throwing ideas? I'm I always throwing out This try is called th- brainstorming. Jason. Yeah, well, I always try to think of something that's timely.
1: When I have a writer's block, which happens all the time, this is what I do. I know it never happens to you.
2: You sit around and you just start naming yeah. things out loud? Yes, uh, do people look at you funny? Uh,
1: not in that news office, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're fitting right in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> just talk to yourself. Yeah. All right, help us out. 888-993-7762. Headlines on this Wednesday morning. and We start with the showdown down in the box. A midweek game between LSU and Louisiana Tech, a matchup of two top 25 teams, depending on what poll you go by. Uh, We had a feeling that it could be a quick affair, but I don't think we foresaw this, Jake.
2: Yeah, we suggested yesterday that it would be a quick game because of the pitch and prowess of both teams and because both teams were struggling at the plate a little bit. Mm. But 114 minutes, the shortest game played uh. by
1: LSU since 2002. Late arriving crowd there at the box uh, kind of got jipped, didn't they?
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but, wow, I couldn't believe it. You know, the game started at 630 and was over around 830. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was something because, like we said yesterday, when you have two really good pitchers on the mound – Everything's amplified, and so you were kind of looking for that one big inning, and that one big inning came for LSU in the sixth when Zach Watson uh, knocked in Jake Slaughter, of all people, mm-hmm. and then a- Antoine DiPlanas came up with two outs and knocked Watson in to give LSU the 2 to nothing lead, mm-hmm. and that's all they needed to secure that victory.
1: How odd of a storyline is that? I'm sure when it was playing out, and we'll have the radio call from Chris Blair later in the show, but you're looking at literally – Two guys from Ruston, and they play a key role in beating Louisiana Tech. Jake Slaughter gets on board, hit by pitch, advances to second. Then Zach Watson steps up to the plate and has an RBI single there to uh, push them ahead in the sixth inning. Then Duplantis has another RBI to bring in Watson for them to take that 2-0 lead. And then, of course, uh, Louisiana Tech's bat silence for the majority of the night. They could only bang out a grand total of two hits
2: yeah only two hits in this game Uh, a couple things I did want to single single out in this game Parker Bates diving catch Mm -hmm. to double up Zach Watson I believe that was in the fifth inning a tremendous catch Uh,
1: that was off the bat of slaughter correct
2: yeah I think so and um, uh, later in the game after Labus's great six innings (coughs) Caleb Gilbert came in in the seventh and why is that important well that kind of Solidifies the rumors we've been hearing that, oh, she's going to change up the starting rotation this weekend uh, with Gilbert pitching uh, coming out of the pen last night. I don't know what they're expecting. Who's going to throw Sunday? I'm assuming Mikael Hiller will, will move up to Saturday. But who's going to throw Sunday? Because, yeah, Levis goes six innings last night. Mm.
1: David Leal continues to just uh, perform in these midweek games. Goes eight innings, gives up six hits, two earned runs, has seven Ks in the game. I think his ERA is about 165 going into this contest. After giving up the two run runs, it jumps up to 1.74. Kind of a waste, another great performance by him on the mound.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, a fantastic performance by him. Like we said, it was just that one inning, but Tech just could not help him at the plate. Mm. Uh,
1: Tech with those two hits coming from Parker Bates and Taylor Young. Uh, scoreless through five, then LSU breaks through with the two uh, runs, uh, you look at Tech, they used basically the same lineup, the same order, same lineup, same order against UTSA where they scored 13 runs next game, they can only muster two hits.
2: Yep. That's baseball.
1: Uh, we'll have some sound from uh, Lane Burroughs and a couple calls from that game coming up later in the show. With the loss, the Dogs fall to 24-11 and, uh, and LSU improves to 21-13. and 13. Then, what Take place up in uh, Little Rock, and I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Uh, Grambling versus the second ranked team in the country, Arkansas, and boy, did the Tigers put a scare into the Hawks.
2: It was crazy because I couldn't believe it. Um, (laughs) The fact that it was, they were, what, three outs away from pulling off the incredible upset. And uh, unfortunately, things didn't go the Tigers' way
1: toward the end. So they uh, were ahead, then they fall behind 3-2 to two in the eighth inning. So you're thinking, well, that's the end of uh, Grambling. But no, then they respond in the top of the eighth with four runs to go ahead 6-3 uh, to three against the Razorbacks. But unfortunately, the bullpen cannot hold up in that eighth inning. They give up four runs in the eighth, and Grambling loses a heartbreaker to the Razorbacks 7-6. to six. I know a lot of funny things can happen in baseball, and we've certainly seen it. But this would have been huge.
2: This would, and this is already huge. Just the fact that there were, the, the way the game played out. I mean, the fact that, like you said, when, when when Arkansas scored, you were going, ah, man, they came so close to the upset. And then you had that other roller coaster moment. you are like, oh, Gramlin's back in this. Gramlin's on top. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. And then Arkansas comes back again and, and breaks the hearts. But uh, a true roller coaster game, and. Uh, Man, Granlin was so close to pulling that off.
1: And it was a a nice environment up there in that minor league ballpark. Uh, The attendance was 8,470. The Tigers gave them their money's worth, but ultimately they lose by one.
2: Hogan says, I'm sick of Arkansas playing bad in the midweek games. Makes no sense.
1: Go Hawks. We're making an effort to get uh, James Cooper, Granlin's head coach, on during the 8 o'clock hour. Obviously, it was a late night for. Quint wants to know, what are the possible seeds for the Pels based on a win or loss tonight versus the Spurs? That is a great question. Uh, the Jazz beat the Warriors last night, so now that eliminates the Pels from getting a top-four seed. Huge ball game tonight versus the Spurs. The winner of this will get the five or the six seed. The loser then will be guaranteed either the seven or number eight seed.
2: Yeah. And we'll preview that matchup later on in the show. Um, we've also got some top ten suggestions. Zach says, top ten former Aaron's aces. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That's a good idea. And Quint also says, biggest NBA playoff upsets.
1: Another good one. Hmm. That might be good for the week going into the playoffs. It's, it's very timely, Yeah. So, will it start by next Thursday? Well, next Thursday, that might be They're good starting one. this weekend. Yeah.
2: What? So, this is very timely. Hmm. Yeah, All Saturday right. is when it starts.
1: May have a clubhouse leader. That's right. Other headlines, and let's let's stay in uh, the NBA. What do you make of this story from the Lakers? Uh, Andre Ingram last night, he's been grinding away in the G League, used to be the D League. He gets the call-up after 10 years, and last night he scores 19 points.
2: Well, it's a very cool story. What I like, too, is uh, Chris Paul walked up to him and said, hey, I heard about your story unbelievable your grind's unbelievable much respect because he spent 10 years grinding in the g league and to get his opportunity in his first nba game and scored 19 points that's an awesome story
1: mm, 19 points three blocks in the lakers win
2: yes um got a few more headlines for you a few more local headlines um baseball west washita big win last night put it on west Monroe, nine to nothing uh west Monroe was limited to four hits against peyton parker who pitched all seven innings. Um, four West Monroe pitchers threw in that game. Uh, Kent Berry and Chase Dejon still unavailable on the mound, so uh, West Monroe trying to figure that out. But what this does is sets up a really intriguing series with Washtenaw Parish that will start actually tonight and uh, continue tomorrow. They moved the game uh, that was supposed to be tomorrow to tonight, so West Monroe will host Washtenaw Parish. I believe that game is set for 6 p.m., uh, but Washtenaw Parish, they are 32nd in Class 5A. They're still trying to, you know, ensure their way into the postseason. And with West Monroe, you know, not having all of their starters uh, in, in the starting rotation and uh, struggling at the plate right now, this is a golden opportunity for Washtenaw Parish to get a win or two against West Monroe and ensure that they get into the playoffs.
1: Mm. Softball from uh, yesterday, Washtenaw jumps out to a big lead versus Sterlington. Lady Lions hold on for a 10 10- to nine victory they're actually up at nine to one at, at some point in this game it may have actually been ten to one anyway they're up by a lot to comes storming back makes a game of it but ultimately the lady lions win big win for uh, cedar creek they can pen- continue to play some great ball on the diamond they beat a uh, West Washtenaw seven to four Caitlin Cooper continues to tear it up she hit her 46th career home run hmm. in that game
2: and, and speaking of softball West Monroe West Washtenaw they will play tonight at 6 p.m. as well uh, they're not collecting a gate, but instead they're asking for donations from fans and supporters to help uh, West Washten's Emily Weaver, who underwent a successful brain surgery last October. The money raised at this game will go to her family. So um, if you can make it out to there and, and donate some money for that family, that would be great.
1: Mm. Uh, we have inherited or I guess uh, uh, adopted – not inherited – the uh, Houston Kinda Astros as, uh, as our team – uh, Daily updates. What's our update for today? They lost.
2: They lo- I actually didn't look. <laughs> oh my honest. goodness, Jake!
1: We're only into this thing three <laughs> I days. already. Three days we're into this thing.
2: Oh, oh! Don't give me that with your idiot of the week segments and <laughs> well everything else that, that you started. And uh, that lasted one through.
1: week. Yeah, I well always forget about the idiot of the week.
2: Well, let's break it back. Okay, nominate me for not looking oh, past. The
1: uh, first nomination for the idiot of the week is Jake Martin. Uh, they lose four to one. They dig themselves a three to one hole after two. Could only muster one run. That is in the second. Hey, Bregman's struggling a little bit. I looked up his stats. Uh, he was one for, uh, three yesterday. Just hitting 186 for the year.
2: Hmm. That's yeah. not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? I didn't look it <laughs> up. I got nothing. I got nothing over here.
1: Uh, we got some more headlines coming up in the next segment, including Slick Nick. It's all part of the starting lineup. Brought to you by Louisiana Panky. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying?
0: Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. Let's not crying. Let's get to the starting
1: lineup. Who the Astros got next, Jake?
2: Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan says it lost 4-1, Tykel is 0-2. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan also says, biggest egos in the NBA playoffs. That's more of... Oh. Aaron's language yeah,
1: LeBron, uh, Lebron <laughs> would be number one, right? I'm king, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. Hmm. Keep
2: sending them.
1: 888 Look forward to our doctor's segment coming up at 7.30. Dr. Jeff Counts will join us. I think we'll talk about uh, Tony Fenou. Is it Feneau? now. Feneau. now. Yeah. Let me write that down. <laughs> I should know his name by now, shouldn't I? You should. I just know him as the uh, ankle boy.
2: Ankle boy. Don't tell him that.
1: Dr. Council, weigh in. Tell us how that happens. You dislocate your ankle, shove it back into place, then you go out and you finish 10th in the Masters. Mm-hmm. Mm, look forward to that. Uh, Michael Federico, ULM's head baseball coach, joins us for his weekly visit at 8 o'clock. Another big week coming up for the Warhawks as they travel to Little Rock. And uh, we'll make an effort to get James Cooper from grambling on the line in the 8 o'clock hour. As, of course, they uh, put a major scare into the second-ranked team in the country last night.
2: Yes. And we'll talk Pell Spurs, uh, Alabama's trip to the White House, Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. and his issues that continue to snowball. And I've got a question for you revolving around Ben Simmons. Uh, I think we can have a lively debate on the show this morning. About former LSU star and current, possibly rookie of the year, Ben Simmons.
1: Gary says, guys, almost winning in baseball for our local teams is still a loss. No moral victories. Hmm. Great. Quinn says, best social media follows in sports. Man, these are some really good suggestions.
2: I mean, these like these are good suggestions. I don't know if they're timely or not, but these are like that would be good in the summer.
1: The media follows and stuff. Yeah,
2: like just write it down
1: and remember that one right. for later. At morning drive, nine seven seven. Is that a good follow?
2: That's a great follow from what I hear.
1: <laughs> Have we posted anything recently?
2: Uh, I think like I, I sent an eye emoji yesterday, so we're giving the people what they want.
1: When was the last time we had a poll on that? Thing? Um, what happened to while. that idea? Too? Well,
2: you know. <laughs> Everything it's in cycles. It's coming right back around. We'll post one today.
1: How about that? 888-993-7762. The morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back. A couple texts here uh, from Leslie Schroeder. One last night, three to two and in nine innings. District lead for Schroeder now at five and zero. Oh. Tommy says uh, Dietrich should consider dislocating both ankles before he golfs. Couldn't hurt.
2: <laughs> I like it. Um. We should do top ten THARP quotes. How about that? <laughs> I'm not against it.
1: Yeah, it'll take about a minute. Mm. By the way, I went out to Mangum yesterday. Uh, they had their first ever track meet. Yeah. You know, new track, of course, uh, in, coming in. And then the, the new uh, multi-purpose sports complex is uh, going up as we speak. Story on k and coming up. Later. How's it so looking? Oh, it looks great. Yeah. it'd awesome. be Awesome. It's changed the entire landscape of that out there.
2: Very so, sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. Uh, so what you want to get into? You want to get into some I'll White House talk? I want to go to
1: Alabama, and uh, this has become, what, a, just a routine trip for them?
2: Yeah, they're, they're used to making their way to the White House, yeah. yeah.
1: So they made their way to the White House, and uh, Slick Nick and uh, Donald Trump, uh, there's a couple telling things that came out of this. Where do you want to start?
2: <laughs> well, first, I, I thought the funny thing was that Saban was talking to recruits while he was on his White yeah. House visit. Yeah. That should come as no surprise to anyone, but still funny nonetheless. Yeah.
1: Uh, and how cool is that if you're sitting at home or you just finished up practice or something and, and Saban calls you, said, yeah, I'm here at the White House. <laughs> just wanted to touch base with you. I don't have anything else going on,
2: but. You know, this is what happens yeah. when you win championships, but no biggie. How was
1: algebra today? All right, you know, making small talk. Sure. This is the dialogue that I wanted to bring up. Uh, President Donald Trump to Nick Saban, was it five or six national championships? I thought it was Six. Saban response. five here, one at LSU. Trump fires back. They shouldn't have let you go, coach. They're thinking about that.
2: Yeah, which is so dumb, <laughs> which is so dumb because we all know the story. They didn't let him go. Yeah. He pursued an opportunity in the NFL and, of course, made his way back to the college game and went to Alabama. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I read some of those quotes from Trump and I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit. Just can, can see him, you know, the way he would he would say it but uh yeah i found that uh, that back and forth banter pretty funny mm.
1: uh anything else from the trip for alabama
2: not really that trip but i did want to use this to point out that slade bolden has been making some waves with alabama huh. uh, i saw on al.com that he had an interception in a scrimmage and al.com actually pointed him out as one of the breakout guys one of the newcomer breakouts um which, you know, why is that relevant? Well, they get all their information from the coaches, so the fact that uh, they're hearing that from the coaches, and you know, they're not able to really see what goes on in the closed practices, that's a really good sign for Slade, the former West Monroe product.
1: And of course, making that transition to safety, you'd think there'd be some growing pains. Let alone making the jump from West Monroe to Alabama, and then of <laughs> yeah. course, uh, first semester there with the Tide. So good news,
2: he's doing well.
1: Yeah. NFL News, uh, the several reports that Saints continue to weigh their different options in the draft, that uh, Lamar Jackson has made or did make an appearance in New Orleans to visit with the Saints. Why is this noteworthy? Well, just the, the fact that the Saints continue to do their homework, which is not newsworthy, but you only get 30 of these when you can bring athletes in and visit with a franchise, and Lamar Jackson was one of them.
2: Here's my thing on this. I, I like it. Like, I think it's. I think it would be an awesome landing spot. I don't think he's going to be available. Mm. I don't think the Saints are going to have an opportunity to draft him because just look at last year and how the quarterbacks that we weren't expecting to go high did. And this year, where you've got quarterbacks who are grading out to be, you know, the best in, in years, you know, how many quarterbacks is, are going to be taken before the Saints – are up to pick unless they trade up. But, you know, I just don't – I don't know. I, I think it – you know, if he were to fall to the Saints, I think that would be awesome. You know, that would be another dimension for Sean Payton to play with. And, obviously, he could sit back and learn from one of the greatest of all time in Drew Brees. So I think it's a it's, it's a very – Nice situation to have, but I just don't i don't see him coming just because I don't think he'll be on the board.
1: Uh, we do remember, of course, Sean Payton was asked about Lamar Jackson uh, last month, and he was pretty candid with his response. Uh, I pulled up the quote here. Uh, Payton said, I like him. I like him. He's athletic. He's got a magic smile to him. He's a leader. With Lamar, you feel it in the room, and you can tell he can lead. He's a special guy. You just have to be around him, interview him, and see why he will be successful Uh, Peyton actually went on and elaborated a little bit more when he talked about they will not be looking for a carbon copy of Drew Brees. Now, I think everybody wishes there was a carbon copy of Drew Brees. Yeah. I mean, but. (laughs) Let's be real here. uh, His quote was, The trick for a team that takes a quarterback at any point to become or to compete to become a starter, one of our jobs is to look closely at what are the things that the player does. He went on to say, If he's your quarterback, referencing Lamar Jackson, you start looking closely at what he did well at Louisville, and you build on that. We're never wanting to take any of these players and enter the game and view them as just as Drew entered the game. They're different athletes. Yeah.
2: yeah, and here's my thing. Do you, When you look at a prospect, do you value winning? Like, do you look at him and go, was he a winner in college? Does that matter to you? And if it does, why are you so high on Josh Allen? You know what I mean? Like, I, I know – he has all the measurable tools, but it, did he light the world on fire at Wyoming? He did not. He did not. So, I, I don't know. I, and you look at Lamar Jackson at Louisville, and, man, this guy won a lot of football games. Won a lot of football games, and I do value that. But, you know, I, with, with Lamar Jackson, you know what you're getting. You're getting a very athletic quarterback. Uh, is he Does he have the best throwing mechanics in the world? No. Uh, but you can work on that, and you can work with him on that. Um and with the, ga- the way the game is evolving, I think there's, you know, an opportunity for him to be a star. Mm-hmm. Maybe not immediately, you know, let him let him sit out a couple of years and, and work his way into into a system. But, uh, yeah, I think there's opportunity for him to be a success story in the NFL.
1: And, of course, everybody remembers last year how the Saints kind of flirted with the possibility of drafting Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech before, of course, Kansas City jumped over the Saints to get him.
2: all over him, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, other NFL news and notes, it does appear the NFL is dumping the Color Rush uniforms on Thursday. They have yet to vote on this, but it does sound like the Color Rush uniforms will stay. They will just spread it out over other games. It just won't be on Thursday night.
2: Oh. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's not even news then. Mm. I will say this. I think it's, so a lot of times it's obnoxious, some of their uniforms, but man. The Saints color rush unis are my favorites. Yeah, they were sharp. Yeah, I mean, I I want that to be adopt new adopted unis like that. That all white was just so beautiful, but uh. Mm Happy to hear that they'll be wearing that again this year.
1: Uh, one other note from the NFL, and I know you've been keeping close tabs of Trent Dilfer, right? He's probably got a pag- podcast that you listen to now that he's off uh, ESPN.
2: No, I actually forgot all about Trent. Where is he at
1: now? Uh, he's looking for a gig. Well, it looks like he's got one, that sports science uh, guru, John Brinkis. You know, he does those sports science kind of things. Yeah. I th- well, him and uh, Dilfer now have a thing they're going to call <laughs> It's called Soul in Science, and it's actually going to air on the NFL Network where they're going to break down – prospects going into the nfl draft interesting i thought is it really that interesting? well i thought
2: espn bought sports science
1: <laughs> that's what i thought too but now uh, it'll be I mean, this is called soul in science so maybe they're just biting biting off of it or maybe they'll let john brickus go
2: well i thought uh sports science was pretty cool yeah. to be honest with you mm-hmm. i actually like uh how they break it down but yeah news to me that espn doesn't own that
1: hmm 888 We continue to take nominations for what we will do tomorrow for Top 10 Thursday. You got a couple of college basketball notes real quick, Jake. Uh,
2: Brandon Sampson is leaving. Um, Sampson uh, was a junior at LSU. A lot of people thought he would come back after a somewhat disappointing junior year. Uh, I think he only averaged like eight points per game last year. Mm. But he decided to go to the NBA trial, the NBA draft, and uh, this opens up a scholarship. Uh, so I believe they'll have three available, LSU. And we, we saw what Will Wade did last year. He got Tremont Waters late. Maybe he can get another big-time recruit late to add to this draft. Uh, uh, recruiting class.
1: So Sampson thinks the competition is going to be tough next year on the LSU roster. Uh, just try to make yourself eligible for the draft and try to compete next.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of it too is he never really found his rhythm and actually Will wait on this. After the season, Will Wade said that he, he felt that he did a poor job of getting uh, Samson comfortable with the role on the team after his injury against Notre Dame in the Maui Invitational. So I, I think that had something to do with it. He just didn't really mesh well into the system after that injury. And you could tell it just he just kind of seemed um, separated from the team a bit, just like he was that spark plug, and that was kind of all his role was.
1: Mm. Uh, one other note, LSU will be playing in Vegas next year. They have a matchup now slated against St. Mary's for whatever it's worth. Coming up next, we'll hear from Dr. Jeff Counts on the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Mural over at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters. John Tabor doing a fabulous job. And on the Stuart Shelby Hotline, now joined by Dr. Jeff Counts. Doc, how are you doing this morning?
3: I'm great, guys. How are you all? Uh, Good.
1: Good. the Masters just wrapped up, and of course, it wasn't the weekend we were hoping for, anticipated from Tiger Woods. And a lot of talk has been about you know viewers tuning in just for Tiger, but the ratings were extremely high. I'm just curious, uh, were you still in on watching the Masters over the weekend?
3: I was. I, you know, I'm always going to tune in for the Masters. That's you know one of the greatest sporting events every year that we get to experience, and um, so I'm 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 going I'm watching it as much as I can from start to finish.
1: It's not often that we talk about injuries in the sport of golf, but there was a significant one on Wednesday in the par-3 competition. Tony Fino, did I pronounce that right, Jake? Fino? Fino. 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 All right, so he he hits his uh, hole-in-one. He's backpedaling. He's celebrating going down the fairway, and uh, it appears that he sprains his ankle or dislocates his ankle. He goes down, pops it back into place. When you first saw that footage, Dr. Jeff Counts, what were you thinking?
3: Well, I thought it was pretty amazing that he was able to to pop it back into place as as easily as he did. I mean, it it, it you know those types of, of ankle dislocations are not um, typically very easy to reduce, and uh, you know the fact that he was able to just he, it looked like he just took a couple of fingers and just pushed on the side of the of the bone and it slipped right back into place, and you know he was very lucky from that perspective because. Um, like I said, a lot of times those are not easy to get back into place.
1: So then he I believe he limped out two more holes, then he went in and started the rehab process. Most of us obviously figured there's no chance that he plays uh, the next day or at all for the rest of the week. What kind, what do you think they did to get him ready to go back on the course? and how surprised were you to see him playing on Thursday?
3: You know, I was really uh, very surprised because, you know, that's his left ankle. And, and when you think about the golf swing, the amount of uh, weight transfer that goes onto the left foot um, for a right-handed golfer, um, it, you know, all of your weight is shifted onto that foot as you go down into your downswing. And and, and a lot of times you'll see, uh, if you watch footage of people's feet, when, they, when they're swinging the golf club, their, their ankle will kind of roll. Um, so, you know, for him to be able to, to rehab it as quickly as they did. And then him for, uh, for him to play competitively for the next four rounds and, and played pretty well, um, you know, for that matter, um, you know, it really is, it's surprising Now, as far as what they did to get him ready, I'm sure that, you know, um, you know, they've got trainers and, and physical therapists that, that travel with, with the PGA tour and, you know, so those people, I'm sure, were working on him, you know, just as much as they could and um, trying to keep the swelling down. And then, and then I'm sure he used some type of taping or support uh, on his ankle um, to be able to get through, you know, the next four days.
1: Hmm. He actually goes on to finish tied for 10th in the Masters, which is incredible, which, of course, qualifies him for next year's uh, tournament. Uh, he says this isn't the first time that this has happened to him. How unusual is that?
3: Well, now that's that's um, you know that would explain uh, the the fact that his ankle uh, popped out and popped in so easily. If he's got some instability of that ankle from previous injuries, um, then then that would you know that would make a little bit more sense. I haven't I hadn't heard that about uh, his injury, but but if if that's the case, then that that makes a little more sense as far as um, you know the the incident and him being able to get it back in place
1: Uh, dr counts i guess you don't recommend just popping uh, something back into place like that typically right (laughs)
3: well well you know if it's possible to be honest with you it, it the quicker you can get something reduced the better off it is because you know with swelling and muscle tension that develops from the pain it makes it harder and harder to reduce the longer it's out of place so, um, to be honest with you, yeah, if, if there is, uh, you know, if, if somebody suffers a joint dislocation and there's any way you can get it reduced quickly and safely, um, then, then I would say, yes, go ahead and do it.
1: LSU slugger Bo Jordan, that we were fearful that he had a torn meniscus, but now Paul Maneri and the LSU Tigers are saying it's just a bad bruise. Maneri was quoted saying doctors told him that uh, Jordan has so little meniscus after two surgeries that there's nothing to fear. That's Maneri's uh, quote. Uh, I guess short-term, this is great for Bo Jordan, but uh, long-term, what does this mean?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think they said he has a a bone bruise as a result of his injury.
1: Um, And, and of
3: course, I think that's probably a direct result of the fact that he doesn't have uh, uh, an adequate amount of meniscus or cartilage in his knee. Um, you know, again, for the short term, I guess, you know, for his baseball career now, um, you know, that's that's, uh, I guess, a good thing for him. Um, but but like you said, in the long run, um, this is going to, you know, definitely cause him to have arthritis in his knee um, at an earlier age than he would have otherwise. Um, you know, the, the meniscus uh, plays an important role in. Number one, stability of the knee, but also um, in, you know, protection of the joint surface. So, you know, when you don't have a meniscus present, um, then, you, you know, you're, you're going to have greater wear on your joint and you're going to end up having arthritis at an earlier age. You know, the studies that have been put out there say that, you know, that we can take out up to about 40% of the meniscus before we know that it's going to, you know, predispose that patient to have an earlier arthritis. So, you know, anything above about, you know, 35 or 40% loss of meniscus and, you know, you're going to have some trouble later.
1: Uh, that leads to a question about uh, knee braces. We have certainly seen technology improve in the evolution of knee braces, and it seems like we, we see them all the time now in sports for precautionary reasons then
3: also for rehab.
1: How has technology kind of helped this uh, knee braces in the sports world?
3: Well, I think the the biggest thing with with knee braces that I've seen over the years has just been the materials that are being used now. Um, you know with um, better technology and and uh, better knowledge of of different material sources we can we can use lighter weight, you know less bulky braces that are, Um, still as strong as they need to be to, to prevent an injury, like you said. Um, But, um, you know, but also, like I said, make them lighter weight and more user-friendly for the, for the athletes. Um, You know, as far as brace design and things like that, again, you know, there haven't been any huge, you know, earth shattering, you know, uh, discoveries with braces uh, in the last 20 years. But, but again, just the, the ability to streamline braces and make them make them more user friendly, um, has, has been kind of the push with, with most brace companies.
0: Um,
3: you know, it's, it's a lot of people just don't like wearing things like that. And, and, um, you know, so trying to make them to where they are more tolerable for people to wear, um, has been, has been kind of the biggest push with, with brace companies. And, and uh, it, you know, they've been fairly successful with that. Uh, like I said, there, there, there's some, some really good lightweight braces out there now that that can help people with, with their stability of their joint and and help prevent any future injuries when they're, when they're being active.
1: Dr. Jeff Counts, if listeners out there uh, need your assistance or your colleagues, where can they find you guys?
3: Uh, of course, uh, easiest way is just to call us. Our main office number is 323 That'll get you to any of our three locations in Monroe, West Monroe, or Ruston. And then, of course, you can get us online at MonroeOrtho.com. Um, and then, again, if you can't get an appointment or need to be seen right away, we have our after-hours clinics Monday through Thursday until 8 p.m. and on Saturdays, 8 to 11.
1: Dr. Counts, to bring this conversation full circle, match play you versus Sawgraves on the golf course. Who wins?
3: Well, to be honest with you right now, I think probably Saul would. He's, he's been playing a little more golf than I have, and uh, so his, his his abilities right now are probably a little better than mine. But give me a few months, and I could probably uh, give him a pretty good challenge.
1: Oh, there you go. There's a little smack <laughs>
3: talk from the docs.
1: I like that. Thank you, bud. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Dr. Jeff Counts. Uh, it's not often the golf injuries. That's, why I think, the why. And then the way it played out, just the highs of a hole-in-one, and then, of course, uh going down, and then literally uh, popping the ankle back in place.
2: Oh, it's an insane story. I would have loved it if he would have continued to lead, like if he could have kept up the that pace. And man, He, he was
1: in second place after the first it's round. Insane. And, I mean, did you see his final round? I mean, it wasn't like he was just a one-day wonder. I mean, he came back in the final round yeah, and had that, a back and got nine. The automatic, and then yeah, yeah. He literally had to birdie. I, I can look it up. Three or four of the final – nine holes to qualify, and he finished up tied for 10. So.
2: Here's my question for you. Last week we said that we were going to do top 10 Masters moments this week for Top 10 Thursday. Yeah. Uh, was the Masters uh, anticlimactic enough for you to just not want to do it? Like, I, Let me rephrase that. If we would have had an exciting finish on Sunday or a would have been in the conversation right. or a tiger would have been in the conversation – Would you then be more inclined to do a top ten Masters? Perhaps,
1: but I'm always looking at the the listeners and what they want. Oh, okay. Not what, not what you want. Oh, because I, you know, what would be the most enticing radio?
2: If it was what I wanted, us
1: discussing a nine foot putt.
2: (laughs) Hey. Huh. If it was what I wanted, we'd be talking UFC every week. So. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> UFC
1: 2642.
2: Speaking of, uh, <laughs> not of UFC. You,
1: okay, I thought you were going to use that as a Speaking
2: say, right? of Top 10 Thursday, I've got a poll up. Uh-oh. Morning Drive, 977. What should be our topic for Top 10 Thursday? We've got biggest NBA egos, biggest NBA playoff upset, or best players
1: in the NBA playoffs. It's all NBA then.
2: Yeah, it's all NBA. We're starting the playoffs this week. Why not? Um, so, if you want to get on Twitter, at MorningDrive977. How many followers do
1: we have now on that Twitter?
2: Oh, man. We, are we getting closer to your, your are, wife's number? We are 169. We are so close.
1: How many followers do you, does your wife have?
2: I don't know. Like 300 probably. So,
1: yeah. All right, Help us out.
2: Help us out. Give, give, give us a follow. Vote Vote on the poll.
1: Uh, Russell says, Hogs struggle with North Louisiana squads, ULM, and Grambling. It's a good thing they do not play Louisiana Tech. But as you know in baseball, it's all about the postseason. Hashtag Omaha Hawks.
2: And Matt says, better a nine-foot putt than juiced-up wrestlers.
1: <laughs> Still getting bashed over last week's top Dude, ten.
2: I, I will bash myself for that. I mean, oh, well. Man. It was good, man. It was technical issues and. No, it did not go
1: as. Fast. Oh, it was fine. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Coming up, we'll talk a little college baseball, uh, some near misses for, of course, Grambling and Louisiana Tech. You'll hear from Lane Burroughs coming up after the break.
0: Austin. One one th- of two tonight. And this one gonna be slapped down the line fair in the left field. They're gonna wave Squatter in. A little mishandled by Mallard. there will be no throw home, and the Tigers are on the board. And Zach Watson from North Louisiana delivers for the Tigers. One-nothing. They break the stalemate.
1: Chris Blair with the court call there, courtesy of the LSU Sports Network. LSU wins two to nothing over Louisiana Tech last night. A huge game for the Tigers resume. Yeah, so. I've you just let that slide right by. What? Huge game for the Tigers resume. No, it was. Chalk up a big win against No, seriously. Tech.
2: No, no, no. I, I, Listen, I was just about to go there because just looked up the RPI. Yeah. It was a big game for both of them yeah. in terms of RPI. So, after that game, LSU goes from 62 to 52. Louisiana Tech goes from 57 to 68. Ouch. So, you might joke about that, but that was a big game for both sides. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, with the loss, uh, Tech drops to twenty-four and eleven overall. LSU improves to twenty-one and thirteen. A lot of major talking points from this game. First of all, it probably has to start with uh, how fast this game was played—one hour and fifty-four minutes, one of the fastest games in LSU's baseball recent history.
2: The fastest since two thousand two. Um, and it felt fast, and we kind of suspected this, and not under two hours fast, but we suspected with two really good arms going out there on the mound and uh, two offenses that have been up and down this year, uh, we figured we could be in for a pitcher's duel, and that's what we got.
1: Uh, Louisiana Tech could only muster two hits uh, on the night. They come in from uh, Parker Bates and Taylor Young, the former West Monroe uh, standout on the flip side. Uh, LSU had six hits. They left three men on base. Louisiana Tech also leaves three on base. Uh, David Lial continues to get it done for Tech on the mound in midweek games. He goes eight innings, gives up six hits, two earned runs, strikes out seven Tigers. His ERA is now sitting at 1.74. But unfortunately for Bulldog fans, Lial ends up getting the loss to LSU.
2: Yeah, it's, it's as uh, my buddy Scott Long put on Diddy Don this morning. Some Tiger fans might be upset with the lack of hitting, but it just goes to show you, like, don't don't look at this game and think that because David Leal has been special all year longer. One of the big reasons why Louisiana Tech has had the success that it's had this year. So don't look at it as if, Man, LSU's bats continue to struggle. Give props to David Leal because he has been phenomenal this year, and he was yet again superb last night.
1: But, of course, he was matched with LSU, and the Tigers a. pitching a. staff was did great. not disappoint either.
2: A.J. Labus was great through six, and then they brought in Caleb Gilbert in the seventh, which kind of stunned everybody, uh, and then you know gave uh, credence to the rumors that Caleb Gilbert wouldn't be a starter this weekend and that he would be coming out of the pen, so – the uh, question is now, who becomes that starter? Is Todd Peterson the guy? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see for that. But, yeah, the whether it was Lavis or the guys coming out of the pen, LSU did a great job.
1: Other numbers from this game, uh, ticket sales, 10,647. And, obviously, there was not over 10,000 in the ballpark last night for a Tuesday night game. Didn't look like it, no. Uh, LSU's uh, offense, we talk about the fact that they uh, had six hits on the night. You heard from Zach Watson there with the uh, two hits and the big one. They got it started for LSU, and the Duplantis steps up and drives in Watson to give them that 2-0 cushion that they did not let go of. Jake Slaughter, uh, two at-bats, the former OCS standout. He had one run. Of course, he was on second when Watson drives him in. Uh, Slaughter was on the base, got that sixth inning started when he was hit by a pitch.
2: Yeah, and again, want to give a shout out to Parker Bates for that phenomenal diving catch. was able to double up Watson at second in the fifth inning before LSU scored its two runs in the following inning.
1: All right, we got a little uh, sound after the game, first with uh, Lane Burrows, and then followed up with Zach Watson on LSU's two-to-nothing win over the Dogs.
3: Look, uh, our pitchers have been doing that all year, I guess, you know, leading the country coming in tonight and earn run average, and you can't ask for much better. Uh, it's just frustrating. Uh, Our hitters are working They're, you know, like I said, we score 30, so it's a crazy game. You score 13, we run the same lineup out today and they don't scratch. So it's baseball, Uh, we'll bounce back, have a good day of practice tomorrow and Thursday and get ready for Friday. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different. I'm used to going, going to the take field and and watching them, I mean, living five minutes away from there. So dad loved going over there, but I mean, it was, it was a lot different having them here and knowing that you aren't watching them, that uh, you're about, you're about to play them. I mean, it was, a little nerves kicked in before even, though, but I mean, it happens, and, and it was. They're a good competitive team, and they put up a fight.
1: All right, that was Lane Burrows and Zach Watson. Now, as we spin this thing forward, you look at uh, the dogs. who we'll have a couple of days of practice before turning uh, home to play at J.C. Love versus uh, Charlotte this weekend. On the flip side, in the other dugout, you got LSU scoring off against Tennessee this weekend.
2: Yeah, so. Let's look at Louisiana Tech first. So they've got Charlotte this weekend, and then the next two weeks they've got midweek games against ULL. Uh, And then they'll they'll take on Marshall the following weekend. But, you know, those games against ULL are must-win games because ULL is pretty far down the totem pole when it comes to RPI. They are not having the year that many suspected. um, What they're used to. What they're used to. And so – can't afford a loss there you're trying to build a resume for the postseason so uh, those you know I thought Tech had a great opportunity yesterday Uh, unfortunately the offense couldn't get it done now you got to come back out and uh, continue to win these Conference USA series which isn't an easy feat uh, even though they've they've made it look somewhat easy thus far but uh, if they can continue to win these Conference USA series take care of business in the midweek I still like their chances I'm getting into the postseason.
1: Isn't it ironic? We always complain about the length of baseball games, and this one last night seemed like it was too short.
2: Yeah, yeah, it flew by, man. It flew by.
1: LSU over Louisiana Tech, two to nothing. The other storyline in college baseball last night: uh, Grambling making the trip up to Little Rock to square off against uh, Arkansas, the second-ranked team in the country according to one poll. And boy, did the Tigers put up a fight! But ultimately, they fall seven to six. There was some nervous Razorbacks in that dugout when uh, Grambling scored four runs in the eighth inning to go ahead six to three over Arkansas.
2: Scored four runs in the eighth, and then Arkansas comes right back and scores four more in the eighth to take a seven to six lead, and they held on for the victory. I know we've gotten a lot of texts this morning about no moral victories, no moral victories in baseball, but. The fact that Grandma went out there and had this great showing, and showed some resiliency—you know, you know, falling behind and then coming back to to, to take a lead again in the eighth—it's you take a lot of positives away from that, right? I mean, I know there's no such thing as quote-unquote moral victories, but the fact that they were able to to push the number two ranked team in the country to the brink last night. I, I take a positive spin away from that. Uh,
1: the Razorbacks are now six and0 all time in this series one and no in the match in uh, games played in Little Rock but last year I believe they played uh, two games one of them was a blowout 14 to four but the other one was a three to two squeaker So it's not like Grambling hasn't been close to this uh, pulling an upset before against Arkansas.
2: Yeah and Grambling used I believe eight different pitchers last night. Uh, pretty crazy that they threw that many arms, but uh, yeah, just came just short of of getting it done.
1: We're making an effort to get uh, Coach Cooper on the show, perhaps in the uh, eight o'clock hour. Uh, a tough, heartbreaking loss for uh, Razorbacks. That would have been a huge win. A tough loss for the Tigers. That would have been a huge win against the Razorbacks.
2: No doubt. All right. Uh, I want to save the Ben Simmons talk for the next hour. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Andrew Luck for. Quick minutes. We have only a couple of minutes for break. Uh, so this is one of those things where, you know, we talked about it a lot last year, but Luck still hasn't thrown a regular-sized football. Wow. Uh, he believes that he overcompensated. He, he spoke with the media. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or two days ago. He believes he overcompensated to adjust for his injury while throwing with a torn labrum, which caused further damage. So now he's trying to be patient. He's trying to, you know, go by the process instead of rushing it like he did, which further hurt himself. Now, this is what he said. Luck told reporters that his shoulder is feeling really good and that he is optimistic about his progress and return to Pro Bowl form. He also admitted that he is not yet throwing NFL football. He says, I have not picked up an NFL football and started throwing it yet. I don't want to skip steps. I'm trusting the process that I'm right now very, very much – I'm trusting myself in this process, and when the time is right, I'll pick it up. This is one of the crazier stories. Actually, one of the more – I feel like it's one of the more underreported stories. Like, the fact that Andrew Luck went from a pro bowler Mm -hmm. to, I believe he's missed now 26 games in the last three years. Can't even tell you the last time I remember him starting a football game. Mm -hmm. So – you go from being one of the greatest prospects of all time, we remember that hype before that draft, to you know, equaling the hype in a lot of ways. Some people might debate that. But I believe he equaled the hype in a lot of ways and then going to this injury that has kept him out for multiple years. It's not, not good, man.
1: I listened to some national schmoes yesterday we were trying to make the debate. If the Colts had the option, would they now go back and, of course, keep Peyton Manning for a year or two to run he had to close out his NFL career or go the route of Andrew Luck, if you knew everything. It's one of those sports oh, talk Lord. debates. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, we don't know. I mean, the question here is, will he return to that level of play? Will he ever be the same player again? And that's why I think you can have the debate. But I believe, you know, I believe he'll get over this injury and – return to form and then you'll still have that future with him hopefully mm. but uh I guess it's worth having since these these the injury history and the fact that he has not brought a championship to Indianapolis and many felt that
1: how much pressure are those team doctors under
2: oh tremendous <laughs> tremendous pressure
1: seven o'clock hour in the books you can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby hotline eight eight nine nine three seven seven six two. Go to Stuart Shelby.com for a free quote. Coming up after the break, we look forward to hearing from Michael Federico, ULM's head baseball coach, for his weekly visit. They get ready for an important road trip to Little Rock this weekend. The Morning Drive is back after this.
0: I'm Ari Wolf with the NFL Network now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Khalil Mack, still a no-show on Tuesday at the Raiders facility for the second day of voluntary workouts. Our own Steve Weiss is reporting that Mack is seeking a new contract in excess of $65 million in guarantees. Mack is set to make under $14 million this season on the final year of his rookie contract. Rams' GM Snead says defensive centerpiece Aaron Donald's new deal will make him the highest paid defensive player in football. The team has made it clear a contract extension is a top offseason priority. Meanwhile, Bills' guard Richie Incognito says he is done with football. The four time Pro Bowler telling several reporters on Tuesday he is retiring after 12 seasons. According to the Buffalo News, Incognito Nito says the stress is taking a toll on his body. The Cardinals don't want to rush Sam Bradford back on the field after he played in just two games last season with lingering knee problems. New head coach Steve Wilks wants to make sure they get a full season out of Bradford. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.